Coming up on Studios America, the great reset of education is upon us and critical race theory continuing to spread across the nation. I'll speak with Glenn Beck about what's to come and what we can do about it. Then Blaze TV's Jason Buttrell joins us to give us a rundown of Biden's plans in Afghanistan and what that will do for Middle East relations. Welcome once again to Stu Does America. Thank you so much for being with us. If you have a free second, help me overtake my wife on Instagram by heading to my account at Stu Does America and giving me a follow. Hit that link in the bio and then you can share the stream and all the stuff uh, whenever you want, however you want. And be sure to hang out on our YouTube channel this Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern for the Stu Does America 250th episode anniversary power hour. Myself, Sarah Gonzalez, Chad Prather, Jason Buttrell, and Spencer Corson, plus one shot of beer every minute for an hour while we attempt to talk politics. Please wish us luck. Again, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, only on my YouTube channel. Go there and subscribe right now. The rollout of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has come to a standstill as studies show a tiny percentage of blood clots potentially associated with the shot. Is the pause justified or are we panicking over nothing? The media won't tell you, but of course I will. So let's do Johnson & Johnson. Stu does America. Welcome to Stu Does America. Wait a minute. Hey, are you are you watching the show with only three masks on? Shame on you, you bastards! To watch this show, you need an N95 mask covered by a surgical mask, covered by a cloth mask, and then preferably a neck gaiter on top. But you know that one's just optional. Now, I'm not talking to you, obviously, if you happen to be vaccinated. If you're fully vaccinated, feel free to only wear two masks while watching. The media and the government has spent months making sure you know that vaccinations will do absolutely nothing for your enjoyment of life. Everything is going to suck forever, even if you get the shot. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying, why bother? If you don't want to get the vaccine, you shouldn't have to. No one should force you to get the shot. But I'm happy to tell you that I think these vaccines are literal miracles. They are wonderful gifts from God delivered through stock symbols, mRNA, PFE, and J&J. Turning water into wine was pretty sweet, but honestly, this is pretty great too. Let's take a quick look at where we stand with the vaccines. 37.3% of the population has had at least one dose of the vaccine, uh, and 23.1% is fully vaccinated. If you're 65 and older, it's 79.6% have had at least one shot. And it looks like they're working really well so far. Uh, now, some people will tell you, look, oh, the cases and deaths are lower. It shows the vaccines are working. Eh. I mean, that doesn't really tell you all that much yet. We've had drops before. We haven't vaccinated enough people yet to know for sure if the drops are partially caused by the vaccine or fully caused by the vaccine or what the real cause is. But if you break it down by age, you can start to see the effect. I'm gonna show you this chart. By the way, Chartapalooza today. We got lots of charts. Oh yeah, conservators unite. Uh, look at this. If you see kind of there's four uh, little lines there, there's drops in every single one of the lines. Uh, but for 18 to 49 year olds, the drop is only 37%. For older people, it's 71%. As people get older, their vaccination percentage is higher and we're seeing a much larger drop for older people who have been more vaccinated. It seems to be working really well so far. Now, those results are largely for the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines because Johnson & Johnson pretty much just started. So what is going on now with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine pause? The FDA and CDC announced they were going to 
pause the distribution of the vaccine due to six cases of a rare and dangerous type of blood clot that could be deadly. This follows the previous pause on the AstraZeneca vaccine across Europe, although that one was quickly reversed a few days later. But six freaking cases? I mean, six, six out of what? No medicine of any kind has absolutely no side effects. So six people out of how many? Try almost seven million. As Nate Silver points out, six cases out of seven million people. What a disaster. This vaccine pause is going to get people killed and it's going to create more vaccine hesitancy. These people don't understand cost benefit analysis. They keep making mistakes by orders of magnitude. Now, after he got some pushback, Silver explained his thinking in more detail. Say there's a one in 100 chance someone acquires COVID because of a delayed vaccine. That might be conservative in the US where spread is still quite high and a one in 150 chance that they die from it. That's a one in 15,000 chance versus a one a, a, a versus one blood clot death in seven million doses so far. And he says one blood clot death because there's been six blood clot cases, but thankfully only one death so far. Now, of course, there's a lot of stuff we haven't considered, but it cuts in both directions. The incidence of blood clot deaths may be higher than indicated so far, given we're not systematically monitoring for them. That's true. On the other hand, we also have to consider the base rates in the population. Blood clots happen with or without vaccines. We also have to consider that the person who gets COVID because of a delayed vaccine will pass his or her case along to an average of one other person, given where the r not is in the U.S. right now. So the death rate is actually twice as high as I indicated above. So I don't think it's a particularly close decision. Even if blood clot deaths were tenfold higher than observed so far, which is certainly possible, it wouldn't be a close decision. And that's before considering the knockoff effects of contributing to vaccine hesitancy. It's a lot of numbers, a lot of charts. That's why you're here, of course. You just want to see numbers thrown at you like crazy. But this is the problem. We're always focusing on the wrong things. We're always looking the wrong way and not seeing the risks of our real actions. Statistically, they say you're more likely to get killed on the way to the airport. Uh, you know, like uh, in a head-on crash or flying off a cliff or getting trapped under a gas truck. That's the worst. I have this cousin. Oh, I have could you keep your eyes on the road, please? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good thinking. Let's just keep our eyes on the road. This is the truth. The government is both dumb and dumber when it comes to vaccines right now. Let me lay this out for you. This is where we are. Johnson & Johnson, as I mentioned, there's been six cases with 6.8 million doses. The rate of blood clot incident, one in 1.33 million how about the next one? Moderna. There's been five cases in four million doses. This is only in Europe, by the way. Uh, we don't have the updated numbers in the U.S., but it seems to be relatively similar. One in 800,000 when we're talking about blood clots. How about Pfizer? There's been 35 cases associated with Pfizer in 54 million doses. Of course, that number comes out to one in 1.54 million. But here's the most important thing. What is the rate of people getting these types of blood clots in the normal population without these vaccines? The normal rate, 222 cases in 34 million people. So that rate is one in 153,000. Now it's impossible to be precise with these things. And when you're talking about something so impossibly rare, these numbers can change quite quickly. But we've now pulled a vaccine off the market because of a side effect that is happening about one fifth as often among vaccine recipients 
as it does in the normal population. Needless to say, this is, for lack of a better word, bonkers. I would summarize your chances of having any of these serious side effects as, uh, how shall I put this, not good. To give further perspective, here's celebrity epidemiologist Jim Carrey. Hit me with it. Just give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just, least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! <laughs> I read you. Uh, that's the media right now. So you're telling me we have a scary porn story. Yeah! By the way, Jim Carrey is one of the most prominent vaccine skeptics in the country, or at least he said he was when he was sleeping with Jenny McCarthy. Fun fact. While you can't directly compare these vaccines and other medications like, let's say, the birth control pill, uh, because we're talking about two different types of blood clots, but your odds of getting a blood clot from the pill are much higher than from the vaccine. Yet we don't pull that off the market. The vaccine is about one in a million. The pill is between five and 900 times as likely to give you a clot, between 500 and 900 times as likely. Does that make the pill super dangerous? Not really. Even at 900 times the risk of the vaccine, it's still very, very rare. And we should all remember, and I know this is controversial, but getting COVID is not exactly without risk. I know, it's crazy. One study put the risk of getting blood clots for people with COVID at 20%. That's one in five. One in five is a bit more common than one in a million. Of course, you might not get COVID. Maybe you'll be lucky. So the University of Cambridge tried to break all of this down with the risk of the vaccine versus the risk of getting COVID and going to the ICU. This is for the AstraZeneca vaccine, but the odds seem to be pretty similar with Johnson & Johnson. If you're in an area with low exposure risk, which by their definition is pretty much our April 2020 style lockdown, this is how it looks. Because these clotting issues have affected mainly young women, you can see that for those under 29 years old and currently in lockdown and are going to remain in lockdown for the next 16 weeks, you're about at the break even level. It might be slightly better to not get the vaccine. Maybe, I mean, at least it's a close call. However, it's three times more risky if you're in your 30s not to get the vaccine and 70 times as risky not to get it if you're in your 60s. But again, that's in lockdown. By their definitions, the U.S. is actually in a high risk environment, not a low risk lockdown. In the U.S., with wide community spread and no lockdowns, even in your 20s, you are still seven times as likely to be admitted to the ICU from COVID than you are to have serious vaccine harm. If you're in your 30s, you're 31 times more likely for an ICU COVID trip than a serious vaccine harm. In your 40s, you're more than 100 times as likely for a COVID ICU trip. And in your 60s, you're 638 times as likely. The point is, we don't understand how to calculate risk in this country. We just don't deal with it well, as proven in the previously, previously mentioned documentary, Dumb and Dumber. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. No. Nope. Five to one. No. Nope. Ten to one. 
You're on. <laughs> I'm gonna get you. Uh -oh. I don't know how, but I'm gonna get you. <laughs> now look, I have some sympathy here for the FDA and the CDC. A little sliver of it. If they didn't take a pause to look at this carefully, everyone would say they're hiding something. And honestly, it'll probably only be a few days. And at the end of it, they'll probably just slap a warning label on the vaccine for young women if they're taking it. And even though they are super duper rare, they might find more cases. It's possible. Of course, there's an equal or better chance that these side effects have nothing to do with the vaccine at all. The main thing they're trying to accomplish here is to warn doctors to treat these blood clots differently. As everyone's hero, Anthony Fauci, recently pointed out, treatment of this specific type of blood clot is different from the treatment that might typically be administered. Usually the anticoagulant drug called heparin is used to treat blood clots. In this setting, the administration of heparin may be dangerous and alternative treatments need to be given. So they wanna make sure doctors know about this and that's not a bad thing. But is this really the right way to go about it? We're talking about something that is one in a million. If it was 10 in a million or 100 in a million or 1,000 in a million, it still wouldn't be worth putting it off the, pulling it off the market. It doesn't make any sense. People should be given the information and allowed to make their own decisions. How many times have we said that during COVID? I mean, seriously, if COVID isn't dangerous enough to justify a one in a million risk, why the hell have we been shutting down? Why have schools closed? Why are we doing anything differently in our lives? It's a stupid message to send, and it's likely going to freak people out for absolutely no reason. Nothing in medicine is completely without risk. Nothing is zero in a million. But a smart society is able to look at the risk and make a sensible cost-benefit analysis. You shouldn't just get that excited about a one in a million chance. Husband, wait a minute. What was all that one in a million talk? Trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge. If you need the house painted, uh, here's who you talk to. Need to replace the stairs? We've got a guy. Roof repair? No sweat. Real estate agents I trust has you covered. And we've been talking about this for years now. Real estate agents are the type of, for whatever reason, it's the type of thing you're just like, well, maybe I'll just use that buddy I know, or my, my friend's daughter became a real estate agent and she seems great. But like, you know, she might be great, but you know, you have to have some sort of screening process here. This is a, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars are at stake. You can't just find the person that you saw on a bench ad or uh, some relative of a friend of a friend of a friend's former roommate. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com to have the best real estate agent in your area doing the best work for you. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now, get more information, realestateagentsitrust.com. Joining me now is one Glenn Beck, host of multiple Glenn Beck themed programs right here at The Blaze. His newest special airs immediately after the show at 9 p.m. Eastern. Tonight, it's Critical Race Tyranny, the Great Reset of Education. You don't want to miss it. Glenn, thanks for coming on the program. You bet. This is a tonight big one. Is, uh, yeah, tonight is probably, um, you know, I, I started the radio show today saying if the house was on fire, and you had to get out because you knew everything was going to burn down, what would be the first thing that you would make sure was out of the house? And the answer is your children. 
the house is on fire and we keep admiring the flames and we're all standing around going, wow, it's burning down. Get your children out of this house. Uh, The indoctrination that is coming and is already in all across the country is terrifying. It is, uh, if we thought that Common Core was a problem, this is nothing, nothing. Common Core is nothing in compared to this. Yeah, we really are going down a, a very strange road very quickly. We talked about this a little bit on radio in that the conservative mantra over the past year or so to both of our frustrations has been, you know, open up these schools. Come on, open up these schools. And I understand that. Like, there, no. it was blown out of proportion in a lot of ways, and kids should be in school. But these public schools are a massive problem, and we shouldn't be rushing our kids back into them. So um, I have an interview tonight, and I've only got seven minutes for it, so I don't know how much we're going to be able to really dive down, but to give you um, to give you a taste, and then tomorrow's radio show is going to go in-depth. I have three hours, and we're going to go in-depth on what you need to do. But um, you probably remember Azra Nomani. She is uh, one of the real fighters. Uh, she's a Muslim fighting the Islamists from the inside. And uh, she has had her head on the chopping block (laughs) almost literally for 20 years. Uh, And she is now deep into critical race theory in our schools. And she said there is a clear nexus now between uh, the Islamists and those organizations and critical race theory. And Mm. it is it's amazing. She'll go into a little bit on that uh, tonight. But she said school board after school board after school board uh, that she is finding these Islamists that have put themselves or gotten themselves elected to school boards or in positions of power. And they are some of the most uh, virulent. They're the ones that are that are the first to say, oh, you're an Islamophobe. Now you're a racist. And she said they're deeply connected. These two topics. Mm. (laughs) Uh, as if the regular version of this was not scary enough. Um, you mentioned when you were, we did, we've been running these promos on radio for the show tonight. And I love the way that it starts. A virus has escaped from, from university labs and now it's all over the yeah. place. That really is the way this happened because critical race theory, it's been around for a while, right? It was just sort of this nutso oh, fringe yeah. academic theory. So, you know, like with almost everything, uh, unless it's a dessert, Nothing good has ever come out of Germany. Uh, You know, it's just desserts and maybe cars. And that's it. Mm. Um, But everything else is is pretty toxic. So back during World War Two and right after World War Two, the school for Marxism knew they needed to expand and start coming over to the West. So this is the same this is the same kind of stuff that was in National Socialism and Communism. These were the great leaders at that time that, you know, helped Germany become the Germany that we all know. And uh, they knew they had to hide the Marxist part. So they became the uh, School of Frankfurt or the Frankfurt School. That was embedded into, in the 1940s and 50s, embedded into uh, Columbia University. That's, these are the people that came up with critical race theory. How do we destroy enough 
to be able to get Marxism uh, to be the the choice of Americans and those in the free world. As the 1950s went on, it became even more important for the Marxists to really come up with this system because capitalism was making everybody rich. I mean, people were successful. They weren't hungry. They had televisions. They had cars. Many people had a house. It wasn't happening in any other system. So how do they do it? Because they can't get the worker to uh, overthrow this system. That's when they came up with race. We have to be able to pit all of the races against each other. And that will destroy this nation. That will destroy the idea that man can rule himself. And Stu, we are so far down the rabbit hole on this one. If every single parent doesn't get involved and stand up, and if you have to lead the way on this, we lose our children. Right now, people are like, oh, why am I spending all this money? I, I send them to college and they come back and they're not who they were raised to be. Well, that's not an accident either. But now they're putting it into kindergarten. You won't have the same child by the time they're in third grade. Your child is being taught. I mean, part of this theory is to pit the children against the parents. Mm. It's as evil as anything that has happened in the Islamist world and the Soviets and the Nazis. It is the same kind of indoctrination. And to your point here, I mean, they're outwardly saying white people are racist before they can walk. And oh, that's no, here, here it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're a racist before you can even walk. Whiteness is a pandemic. Whiteness is a public health crisis. It shortens life expectancies. It pollutes the air. It mm. constricts equilibrium. It devastates forests. It melts the ice caps. It sparks and funds wars. It flattens dialects. It infests consciousness and whiteness kills people. I That's have, part of the curriculum. Oh my God! I mean, I have been flattening dialects quite a bit. I have to admit to that. Part of <laughs> I it. know I have too. Uh, it's a big I thing. Uh, you know, honestly, I mean, honestly, I knew racism still existed. You know, occasionally yeah. you bump into yeah, it, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I will say though, I did think we were completely past the time in which you could say something like whiteness is a pandemic. I mean, any color, right? Like we, we wouldn't, people wouldn't outwardly say. You know, black people are a problem. They wouldn't outwardly say that, but they will say white people are the problem. I mean, they will specifically say, blame skin color here. You cannot say that Islam is a problem. And to be clear, I honestly don't believe Islam is a problem. Islamicism is. So you would never say that that Islam is a problem. But today's world, we all know, you could say that Christianity is a problem. God forbid we have, we just showed you video this week on Canada where the police are saying, are you the Jew media? Mm. So Jews and Christians, you're out. Why? Because that's the fundamental uh, of, that's the cornerstone of all of Western society that they say has to be destroyed. And the way the, the way it's very fascinating they are tying whiteness to everything that common sense would say is good for instance rules being on time um uh excelling um uh, doing things polite. to earn it mm -hmm. these what'd you say being polite being, being polite. on time 
those are all racist things because that's the white culture. No, that's the Western culture. Mm. That is the Western culture. And that is the culture of any successful culture. And that's the target, really. I mean, isn't it? Oh, it is. The larger target. Um, before yeah. I let you go, I know you've got to get the show ready tonight. Um, you've only been back for three days now. Um, and it's, I don't know if I'm seeing this right, but it seems like there's a change in, in focus with you since you've been back. Um, obviously, you went through a really tragic event in your family um, last week. Uh, is that part of it? Is it driving you to, to think more about your, your family, your children, the future? Stu, um, I don't know if I said this to you in one of the breaks, um, but I wrote to my wife. I am having a hard time not just crying on the air today um, and 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 trying to be positive uh, because the world's on fire. My family's on fire. Everything is on fire. And it's not just me. It's everybody. And I feel like I can't be the guy who's just saying fire, fire, fire. OK, I mean, good heavens, I got it, you know, and it feels at times that we are just. That I am and I don't and we're we're not. But to me, it kind of feels like, hey, and look at the flames. They're getting even bigger today. Yeah, that's not helpful at some point. Um, and the tragedy in my family last week um, sealed in my mind in a in a completely different way. There is nothing more important than your family. Nothing. And I've always said that, and at times, I've always believed that, but at times I didn't put that into practice. Um, and, uh, you know, there's always something else that's coming up. But I'm telling you now, we are going to lose the only thing that matters. The thing that you own, the only thing that you own is your own integrity, your good name or bad name, and the relationship that you have with your family. And in the end, it is only the family you're left with. And this ideology, what is being taught is intentionally, just like Black Lives Matter, what are they trying to do? To destroy the nuclear family, to destroy the relationship between parents and children. That is their stated goal. Woodrow Wilson said his stated goal for college should be to make a man most unlike his father as possible. Mm. This is about the destruction, not of just the family, but the destruction of our children's, for lack of a better word, soul to to take away their ability to believe in themselves, to believe that there is a brighter tomorrow if if you think we have a suicide rate that's a problem now, you wait until this is really, truly taught everywhere. Our children from kindergarten are going to be taught you can't do it. Something is oppressing you. You're bad from birth or you should be ha you should have the right to say whatever you want. Treat other people any way you want because they're the oppressor. This is evil mm. and there's only there is only the family left in the end and that's where they're at there is they're coming after our children well i know you're gonna get into this uh, tonight's a show you do not want to miss uh, glenn beck his newest special is critical race tyranny the great reset 
of education. Don't miss it tonight, right after the show, 9 p.m. Eastern. And of course, the best way to enjoy Glenn and all the shows here at, Bla at the Blaze is blazetv.com slash stew. Oh, oh. And, <laughs> Lots of alcohol, that helps, that helps. Blazetv.com slash stew and Jack Daniels. Uh, just get them both. Yes. They, I mean, we should start giving out yeah. free bottles with each membership. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, peanut butter and jam. I mean, <laughs> they go together. <laughs> they just they go do. Together. Glenn, thanks so much for coming on the program, man. <laughs> I appreciate you. it. All right, back in a second. I was going to talk about these hundreds of companies that signed this thing saying we don't want to limit voting rights like anyone does. Uh, but uh, that's the wrong way to do it. I want to instead spend a minute talking about the right way. A company uh, called Coinbase, if you don't know about them, they had an IPO today. Uh, they started at $250 a share. Um, uh, in October, though, they were they had one of these situations where, you know, politics was work going into the workspace and they made a statement. They said, hey, they wrote a memo to the staff. They said, hey, we don't do this here. This is we're not a political company unless it's about cryptocurrency. Then fine, we'll deal with it. But when, we want to be focused on our mission here. You want to do this on your own time? Absolutely fine. That's great. We're not taking big stances as a company. If you don't like that, here's a great severance package. You can take off. No problem. 60 of their employees took the package. Everyone else stayed. Now they have an IPO that started at $250 a share, was almost up to $400 a share, uh, and has brought cryptocurrency to the people really in a way that no one else has been able to. It's, it's been able to popularize it and make it more of a common thing. Uh, you you got to give a lot of credit to CEO Brian Armstrong for, for understanding the right way to deal with all of this craziness. Back in a second. Scoremaster can be the difference between getting whatever deal they offer you on a home, a car, a credit card, or apartment, or getting the best deal and saving tons of money. How is that possible? Well, the average Scoremaster user adds 61 points to their credit score in 20 days or less. But get this, you can add 33 points in just a few, few days. That's a game changer. I mean, you know, three weeks for 60 points is a huge difference in the rate that you're paying. And Scoremaster can kind of walk you through this entire process. I've gone through it. Uh, I, you know, people around here have added over 100 points. Uh, people who work here, uh, over 100 points to their credit score. And that is like thousands of dollars if you're talking about a car or a home. Plus, if you're applying for a new job, they check your credit score a lot of times. Take one minute to enroll at Scoremaster. See how many plus points you can add to your credit score and get your credit score where it should be. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Scoremaster.com slash stew is the place to go. Check it out now. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Happy to welcome back to the program Jason Buttrell. He's the head researcher, uh, writer for all things Glenn Beck, Blaze personality. Jason, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, for some incredibly dumb reason, you have accepted an invitation to another power hour here on the show. And I got to say, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, I think I specifically said walking off that I'm never doing this again. I believe that's true. Ever. <laughs> and, I, and I meant it. Yeah. But like, it was something weird about the power hour. When, yeah. when the gauntlet is thrown down, you like have to accept. It draws you back in, doesn't right, it? Right. Because it's like saying you can do it, but I can't. Yes. So I can't. I think because it is a challenge. It really is. Uh, it's, 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 it's tough. I mean, it is tough on people. Um, but it's important. 
It's an important part of this show's history now. <laughs> so we did the, at 100 episodes, we did the first uh, 100th anniversary. This is the 250th anniversary. It's going to be myself, uh, Sarah Gonzalez, uh, you. Uh, we got Chad Prather is going to be here. Uh, Spencer Corson. Have you, ever, have you ever had drinks with Spencer before? I mean, I would think you guys were both kind of working together. I have. It'll, it'll, it'll either be really hilarious or we'll all get into a fight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of the two is definitely happening. You don't want to miss it. You should play along with us at home. You're going to need to get seven and a half beers uh, and you need to you need to sit around. I don't care if you're in quarantine or whatever. You can get the beers, get them at your house, drink along with us, send us videos and pictures of you doing the power hour with us. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to attempt to talk politics and real <laughs> issues while getting slowly drunk throughout the hour. It's only on YouTube. It's going to be right after this show on Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, youtube.com slash America. Don't miss it. What do you think? I mean, this is going to be pretty fun. Oh, this is going to be a blast. I think the I think the politics talk will probably last around 20 minutes. Yeah. I think that's what happened last time. I know. I'm try I was trying to talk <laughs> to Sarah because Sarah's hosting this. You know, she's our she's our designated driver, although she seems to be wanting to drink this time. So I don't think this is a safe message to send to kids. Um, but uh, she it's kind of her gig to keep us on schedule. And last time she's like, I couldn't, you guys are animals. We couldn't keep you anywhere near schedule. <laughs> but like something where we're at least talking of some some sort of uh, meat, uh, at least a trying to do it. Good luck, yeah. I, you know, I'm kind, of, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of disappointed because it seemed last time her excuse was she was pregnant. Yes. She, you know, can't drink during the pregnancy. Right. So that's when we're like, okay, fine, you get an out. But is she not doing the power hour now? She claims that she's going to have a glass of wine. Which I'm like, this okay. is okay. Now, part of me thinks that like it's the show will at least have some coherence, uh, <laughs> you know, if she's there actually trying to keep it on track. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to get messy. I don't think keeping the show on track is what makes the Power Hour fun. No, Stu. I know. <laughs> it's true. But there is a line from complete chaos where all you're doing is like, these people are idiots. Someone wrote like, oh, is this going to be just be a drunken bro fest? I was like. That's a much better title. Uh, yeah. uh, thank you very much for that. I love it. Maybe next time. Uh, so, I love it. Uh, that's coming up again on Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Jason will be here making an idiot of himself. And, yes. a, I mean, a, a candidate for governor doing a power hour has got to be something that's never happened that's before. That's idiotic. That's played <laughs> idiotic. He's an idiot. He's sinking his campaign. But thank you, Chad, for doing his that. His campaign manager is probably going to be <laughs> turning gray as we speak. <laughs> very true. Time. Very true. Um, I want to talk to you. About, let, let's try to get to some meat here uh, before uh, the, the segment runs out. I was taken aback a little bit by uh, this Joe Biden statement, and he, he talked about it, I guess, a little bit today. Uh, I was talking about it yesterday. It's almost like governing by round number. Like he wants to hit this 20 year deadline from 9-11 and pull all the troops out of Afghanistan. A round number is not a good reason to make a decision like this, but it really goes deeper than that. Yeah, this is probably the biggest ideological win for the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, as you can think of. So mm -hmm. what basically, it's, it almost sounds like they're the ones that handed the condition to Joe Biden. Yeah. Said, fine, well, we're going to stay peaceful as long as you pull out right on September, on the 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. So that way, what they're going to do, and this is what they're going to do, because dates are very important for them. They're going to say, this is the date we attacked them. This is the date we defeated them. Mm -hmm. This is the stupidest thing I can ever think from okay. a PR. This is absolutely ridiculous. Because that's exactly how it hit me. And yeah. it was, I, I started thinking about people like you who were over there fighting to defeat this enemy. And now we have this glorious ceremony. We're going to hand over yeah. the country to basically the Taliban within weeks of our departure. Yes. 
Uh, and, uh, and we're going to do it on September 11th. This is incomprehensible. So the president today said there was going to be no conditions to this because he rambled a lot through this. Or maybe mm -hmm. I was just so dumbfounded about what he was saying. But he said, yeah, he's not going to have conditions because he doesn't know what the answers to the conditions would be. Like, if, if we say this, what's going to be our response? Are we going to respond with military force? He said, he goes, I don't know what the response to be, which is absolute, complete bullcrap. There's no <laughs> reason your why. your job to know, right? Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, you don't just say, here, this is, here, take this. We don't want anything in return. It's absolutely ridiculous. We've been there for 20 years for crying out loud. Um, yeah, what he's doing is basically exactly what you're right. He's turning it over to the Taliban. The, the, the thing that, I, I was, the, the thing that uh, Donald Trump uh, um, negotiated was to pull them out a specific day in May. I, believe, I can't remember the exact day. There's no difference in the situation between what would happen in May and what would happen on September 11th. He just wanted this little thing that he thought would be great for his legacy, even though it's not. It's good for Taliban and Al-Qaeda, but that's why he's doing it. What, this is what's going to happen. He was trying to say that, oh, oh we're still going to do diplomatic stuff. We're still support them, you know, with everything they can, their military. Just with no troops. Um, okay, d d just stop right there. Because it doesn't, if they pulled out in May or if they pull out in, um, so on September 11th, the same thing's going to happen. It's only a matter of time. Taliban is going to re reverse everything they have. They, they pretty much control the majority of the country, just not the populated areas. Mm -hmm. So all the, the desert right, and okay. stuff and mountains they control. Um, but the populated areas will come next. So the government right now, that's, it, they're, they're, divided, they're ineffective, they're corrupt, they're going to fall. It's just going to happen. So yeah, um, just say what you really mean, that everything we fought for back then is going to get reversed. That is the hard, harsh reality, but that is the truth. Do I feel good about it? No. Do I feel good about leaving the troops there? No, I don't. I want them gone. I've accepted the fact that all of that is going to get reversed. We're mm. going to have to deal with them again. There will be terror camps again. They will try to strike at us again from there, and we'll have to deal with it. But um, that's what sucks about this. And anyone going into Afghanistan, I tell you what, if the zombie apocalypse ever happens to, you and I are going to sell some of our Bitcoin and buy a ranch in Afghanistan because we will be fine. Hmm. We will be fine. Why will we be fine there? Zombies won't be able to get in there. Once we take out all the zombies <laughs> in the country, but no invading zombie forces will be able to get in. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll be good. It is ever protected, it seems. <laughs> uh, you know, look, it's, it's tough, though, because you, it's... They're going to say that they won, right? The Taliban's going to say that we won. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, uh, we did a lot of damage there. We changed the country in a lot of ways. There's, you know, I mean, they may wind up taking over. Um, but it's frustrating to me to, to, to talk about this as a loss. I mean, like, we went in there. We, we did a lot of really good things. We were able to defeat them relatively quickly. Uh, you know, the rebuilding part is always difficult, and it doesn't ever seem to work. And out. we suck at it. And we suck at it. We are great at the offensive part of it. Mm -hmm. we're, we're fantastic with that. Um, we suck at the rebuilding. It doesn't matter where. We're just not good at it. Um, you have to have stamina. Uh, our society is not built to have sustained stamina on something mm -hmm. like this. Yeah. We don't. We want our boys to come back, and we don't want to be nation builders yeah. uh, unless your name is Clinton or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, or Biden. Um, but yeah, we, we suck at the rebuilding part. I, I have so many stories uh, of the wasteful spending that happened there. Um, I, I've seen j complete State Department projects like apple orchards that they thought would help stabilize parts of the region, bring in income and stuff like that, where they spent up to five to 10 million on it, just laid there in waste. Nobody wanted to touch it. They didn't want to work it. They didn't want to, the Afghans didn't want to profit from it at all. So it was just wasted. That happened. There's, there's, a thousands of those stories. Mm -hmm. We spent. I, if I don't, I would love to see the full tally of the amount of uh, dollars that we wasted over there. But it was wasted. I don't think it was a loss. We went over there and did what we did. We, you know, ousted the government. Um, and we obviously got Osama bin Laden. We got a lot of these terrorists. I mean, yeah. there wasn't. It's all not all negative. And we did prevent 
a lot of future attacks probably in this 20-year period. Yeah, but... but I, I mean, it's not ending. There's not a sunny uh, ending to this. No, and, and the, what, uh, some other th- another thing that Biden said today is he was talking about our partners in the region that will help us, you know, make sure that mm-hmm. this stays on track. He mentioned Pakistan, mm. as in the guy that gave refuge, or the country that gave refuge to Osama bin Laden, as in the country that provides refuge for the entire Taliban. They come across, they let them do it. They're not an ally. I, I'm, I'm sure he's not that. No, he is that clueless. It's a, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just a, it's, I, I, I couldn't believe there wasn't more reaction. Now, now did he say today um, by September 11th or did he say like on September 11th? Did, did he make by September 11th okay. the final troop? So okay. that's that's the well, hopefully know. even if it's a week or hopefully at least they're all out before September 11th. I just don't want to give them that. As you point out, it, the dates are really important to them. Yeah, this is the day we we attack them. This is the day we defeated Ugh. them. So stupid. It's unbelievable. You want to talk? You you walk you you get out of you know you're walking out of your tent in Afghanistan, 2001. If I were to tell you in 20 years there's gonna be no troops left here and the Taliban's gonna be back in power, what would you have said? <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you, especially when we when we invaded uh, Afghanistan and you know back then. It was such an, I wish I would have experienced it over here just to see the unity. Never saw the country unified Mm. ever in my life. Mm. But we were so unified as as Marines and soldiers then to actually get revenge. It was just, it was amazing, really. We were just so pissed off and angry. And we knew there was no possible way of defeat. We were getting this done. It was already done in our minds. Mm. And to know what was going to happen now. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it hits really close to home. Uh, but in saying that, I'm not advocating for us to stay there because I want our boys out. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, it's a tough one. Right. Y- our guys can't even be there without getting shot in the back from people that we thought were our allies. We gotta go. Incredible. But hopefully, I wish it wasn't this way. Yeah. Um, we gotta stop here. Uh, Jason, thanks so much. Maybe a few beers on Friday. We'll cheer you up a little bit. Uh, uh, <laughs> or seven and a half. Uh, seven and a half in like an hour. Uh, Power Hour, Friday night. Uh, don't miss it right after this program. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. All right, back in a second. Ah, it seems like so long ago that my wife came to me and said, hey, I, I ordered these things called Built Bars. Uh, they're like amazing. And, and they like, have all, look at all these flavors. And she started talking about it. And I had never heard of these things. What the heck? Protein bars, really? Uh, and then um, she started recommending them to everyone around us uh, to the point that uh, she has now recommended them so often on her Instagram page that they actually have a mural of her uh, painted at the company. Uh, she loves Built Bars. They're always in our refrigerator. She recommended them to Tanya, who recommended them to Glenn. Now everybody around here is eating Built Bars. They have nine amazing flavors, though they rotate them in and out all the time. There's all these new kinds. Uh, they're healthy, low in calorie, uh, high in protein, uh, but they don't taste like that. They taste like they're candy bars. Uh, you can lose weight. You can maintain your weight easily with eating Built Bars. My wife eats them for d- dessert a lot and she's actually in good shape unlike me go to builtbar.com use the promo code stew 15 you'll get 15 percent off your first order the promo code is stew 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com you got to try these things builtbar.com promo code stew 15 so we have a tweet from neil degrasse tyson he says the good thing about science is that it's true whether or not you believe in it that prompted stakem to respond log off bro what is happening? Uh, Stakem then followed up. The irony of Neil's tweet is that by framing science itself as true, he's influencing people to be more skeptical of it in a time of unprecedented misinformation. Science is an ever-refining process to find truth, not a dogma. No matter his intent, the message isn't helpful. I mean, are we at a point where Stakems are schooling our scientists? 
bizarre time to be alive. By the way, you want to see a bizarre time to be alive? Friday, 9 p.m. Don't miss the Power Hour, 250th anniversary of this stupid, stupid show. YouTube only. Do not miss it.